Beth Finn and this is See Beth Run. In this week's episode, I think about being present in the moment, explain why the suburbs are so important to Philadelphia's future, and figure out how to hire an intern. I also let my data nerd flag fly, describe my views on voting being the foundation of our democracy, and get some FaceTime with one of the members of my kitchen cabinet. Here we go again with what I think is my busiest week yet. Hi, I'm Beth Finn and I'm running for Philadelphia City Council at Large. Today is Sunday, September 16th, 2018, and it's about 10.45 p.m. here in Philadelphia, where I am recording my reflections from week 15 on the campaign trail. Uh, So the week started with uh, Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. That was the beginning of the week. And uh, I found the the rabbi's sermon at Rodef Shalom, where I attend, to be quite timely and appropriate. She talked about being here now and and she was talking about it in the context of you know being at services being at synagogue and being present in the moment but it really resonated with me about um just everything that's going on in my life um over the past i guess couple weeks especially i've been feeling very um well i i think i'm starting to you know get a little Overwhelmed is not the right word, but I'm starting to really see that um, I have a lot of things going on. (laughs) I think that's always been true for me. I've talked in the past about busy versus, you know, not busy, but um, I'm, I'm starting to really see that all of the things that I want to do and that I want to focus on, um, I really don't have any moments left, um, uh, to, to add more things. So um, I'm having to do a little bit of soul searching, I guess, about what are the things that I, uh, I can make less of a priority, right? If everything is urgent, then nothing is. That's something I talk about all the time in my business life. Um, you know, if, if everything is, is urgent, you can't prioritize. So, um, so I'm really trying to figure out what are those things that I can deprioritize or that maybe I can get assistance with um, from, from other people um, so that I can focus on the things that I know are my priority right, right now, which at this point is this campaign. Um, so anyway, her sermon about um, being here now and being present in the moment really um, resonated with me because I have been... Uh, flitting around back and forth to all of these different things that um, that I that I want to get done and so being here now is a good lesson for me and I'm trying to take a few minutes to do that each day and and actually I think I've said this before too this podcast really does help me be in the moment with the campaign it gives me that time each week to stop reflect on what has occurred and how far I've come. And I, I think it's really important um, to focus, especially when you're on a long and potentially difficult journey like this, I think it's really important to focus on how far you've come rather than getting overwhelmed by how far you have to go. We have to celebrate our achievements and our accomplishments, even the small ones, um, or it just, you know, it, it com- becomes overwhelming. So I'm a big believer in that. I always have been. And um, so, yeah, be here now. Those, those, those are my reflections from the Jewish New Year from Rosh Hashanah. So uh, 
Uh, so I appreciate uh, Rabbi Maderer's uh, sermon on that topic. It was very timely. I don't know how rabbis do that. I guess that's just part of their talent. <laughs> anyway, um, so that was the beginning of the week. And then, um, well, I, I mentioned this right at the beginning. I think this may be the most um, the, the most things may have happened this week related to the campaign uh, so far ever. And um, things are really picking up steam. So uh, that's very exciting. And, um, well, let me get into it telling you about them. <laughs> so first, I'm going to start with that logistical stuff. I like to start there because I think that that's, you know, that those are the, that's the tactical stuff of the campaign that, um, that was one of the reasons why I started doing this podcast in the first place, right? If, if I'm going to go through this, I want to be able to document what I've learned and share my knowledge with other people who may be thinking about running for office, right? And maybe make that process a little uh, less scary for them or demystify it a little bit. So I'm starting with that stuff again, the logistics. So, um, a couple of things in that front today. Um, and actually there were a lot of firsts in this arena, uh, this week. So, uh, the first first (laughs) is that I did my first round of call time. Um, call time is something that candidates do, Um, and usually they have to be forced to do it because it's not a ton of fun, but call time is when you're actually sitting down in a room with no distractions and a list of people you need to call and you call them. And, uh, the purpose of calling them is of course, to ask them to support your campaign financially, uh, usually financially, I guess it could be in other ways too. Maybe you could ask them to Uh, host a fundraiser or something like that but ideally you're asking them for a donation to your campaign and um so i uh i had talked to my treasurer rupali last week about starting call time this week and so i did it and uh i uh, we decided that i would make 10 phone calls uh instead of a time limit we did a number of phone calls and i will admit i chose easy uh easy phone calls for my first 10. I called people who I already knew were supportive and would almost certainly say yes to me and um, and would, would answer the phone when I called too because I think a lot of times people don't answer the phone. But uh, I figured all 10 of these people, if they could, would answer the phone. And I did actually talk to half of them, which I think is a pretty good rate for call time. Um, and of course, uh, because I... Uh, had already picked people that I knew would be friendly. Um, uh, they all agreed. So, uh, so I they and they made those donations. Some of them have come in already, and some of them will come in over the next couple days. But um, yeah, I did my first round of call time. So uh, we have not yet scheduled um, the next one, but I suspect it will be uh, this this upcoming week again, if not sooner. Um, I did it on Friday this week, and uh, that seemed to work out pretty well, actually. So I think I'll probably do that again um, late in the day after I'm done with my work day. I, uh, I did some call time, and it took me um, probably about an hour. You know, and it was funny, right? I have been saying all along that, I, you know, I think asking people to give you money is one of the hardest things, maybe the hardest thing that you have to do as a candidate. And, um, but I've been saying all along that, um, I'm not 
worried about having to do that. I'm used to asking people for um, donations on behalf of the National Brain Tumor Society or for the Women's March on Philadelphia um, or even... Um, you know, when we did our 20-year high school reunion, we had a we did a gift to our to our school. Um, they had a, a a capital campaign going on at that time because they were doing a lot of renovations, and I didn't have any trouble asking my classmates to make donations for for that cause. And what I realized is that um, all of those I'm asking for a cause or for somebody else. I'm not asking for myself. And that is so much easier than asking for yourself. Um, but I guess they say practice makes perfect. So <laughs> I'm just gonna keep practicing and I'm gonna keep sticking to those easy ones at first till I get more and more comfortable with it. Um, but you know, eventually I'm gonna run out of easy calls and I'm gonna have to make less easy calls. Um, and that's okay. And, you know, the, the other thing about call time I want to mention is, um, <clears throat> so almost all the time, they have someone sit in the room with the candidate to keep them focused and on track or on task because I think it's very easy for them to avoid making the calls or to get distracted by something else or, you know, play some game on their phone, whatever. Um, and I had been saying all along to Rupali, not that I didn't want company, but I thought that I could tackle it myself um, because I know the importance of it. The, my kind of standard uh, approach to things is, you know, I've set a goal for myself. The experts have said, here are the steps you have to take to get to that goal. And then I do those things because I want to get to the goal. So I have said that I want to run for office. I want to, um, you know, become city council person in, in Philadelphia. And so to get there, I have to do call time. So I said, okay, well, I'm just going to do the call time, right? It's not, it's not a question of, of whether I should or shouldn't. The experts say you have to do it, so I will do it. And um, I found that even with that attitude, I still kind of procrastinated a little bit. I, I looked at my list and I said, oh, you know, I got to update some of this data. I got to get a better phone number. Oh, they're not listed right in my contact address, you know, database, um, you know, whatever it is. Um, and I spent probably a half hour, 45 minutes kind of, I, I, won't, I don't want to say fooling around because it was stuff that needed to be done, but probably procrastinating a little bit from starting those calls. Um, but anyway, I did finally do it. And I got the 10 calls done. And um, I would say it was successful. First call time, success. So <laughs> um, good stuff. Um, and actually, I, uh, I should mention part of, um, part of getting ready for call time earlier in the week, I had actually extracted all my contacts and loaded them into my campaign database. That's something I've been kind of talking about doing, but I hadn't actually sat down to do it. And I did, so I, I can't believe this, but I, I had uh, almost 4,000 contacts to load in there. I think a lot of them are out of date and old and duplicates and things like that. But um, when all was said and done, I know a lot of people. So it was um, kind of uh, nice to see that. So uh, I think I will have phone calls to keep me busy from now until the end of time. Um, um, the other, uh, one of the other or the other first that happened this week is that um, I, my campaign or, or I was asked uh, a question about how I stand on a particular issue on Twitter. And so I had to respond as a candidate. And um, I don't know, it was kind of, kind of exciting and um, 
well, like everything, it was exciting and scary all at the same time. <laughs> but um, so the question that I was asked had to do with um, tax abatements. And so the current Philadelphia City Council just uh, came back into session for their fall session. And uh, one of the things that came up right away is that one of the council people introduced a bill unexpectedly, I guess people didn't know this was coming, but um, to abolish the tax abatements that uh, are currently given to new construction or improvements uh, on construction in the city. So the current uh, regulations or legislation say that if you build new or improve upon a property in uh, the city, then you get um, a waiver of your taxes for 10 years on the improvements or on the increased value. And so the reason why uh, those kinds of uh, regulations get passed is because it's supposed to um, encourage construction and encourage growth in the city. Um, but there are arguments against it that say that, you know, that construction would happen anyway. And, um, you know, so you're just giving away money that could be put towards other good purposes. Um, and it helps contribute to gentrification um, and, and, and eliminating affordable housing in certain neighborhoods. So there's a lot of arguments on both sides um, of the debate. And, um, and, and the issue is far more complicated than just the abatements. You can't look at them in isolation. You really have to look at the complete housing policy um, that happens in the city. And it came up because um, there, there, um, there was a bill that was passed in the last session in the spring um, that the mayor, Mayor Kenny Hannon, signed, and that um, <clears throat> that bill was to 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 add a one percent construction tax on new construction, and the money from that tax was supposed to go directly into a fund the city has related to uh, creating affordable housing. So um, the mayor had not yet signed it into law, and the deadline was quickly approaching where he had to. Um, either veto it or it would go into law by default. And I think he didn't want to veto it um, because who wants to a veto? A, I mean, he, he wants to make sure there's enough funding for affordable housing, so he didn't, didn't want to veto it. But he also, um, I think, wasn't in favor of the tax on new construction. And, um, you know, and there's a lot of developers in the city who obviously were not in favor of that. Um, and so at sort of the 11th hour, he had some negotiations with city council, and what they decided is that they'd withdraw the bill uh, that has to do with the construction tax, and instead, the mayor has agreed to put um, all of the new revenues that come from um, properties coming off of their 10-year tax abatement. So so they've just finished their 10th year of not having to pay the taxes. Uh, they, they had their abatement, and now they're going to start paying those taxes. And so he's agreed to put all of the first years of those revenues into the fund instead of this construction tax. And so, um, you know, to try and kind of make it a win-win. Uh, there's still a lot of debate about whether that's the right approach or not, or again, whether that money could be better used for some other purpose. Um, it, it's a very complicated issue. Um, but so on Twitter, I was asked what my thoughts were on this new bill that was going to be debated in city council about um, getting rid of the tax abatements altogether. And so I had to do some research because um, 
because the bill had just come up, I, ha I have not seen the text of the bill or anything like that. Um, and so um, I did a little bit of research to try and understand the issues. And, and what I saw, of course, is that it is quite complicated, as I think I've explained here. Um, and so I, you know, in, in Twitter, you only have uh, a few words that you can say. So uh, I, I was able to respond, though, to the question and say, you know, that I had not had the opportunity to review the bill, but um, I was looking forward to the debate. And what I really want to see is the data that tells us whether eliminating the abatements will help with affordable housing or hurt it. And um, you know, because because I think we need to make sure that there are affordable there's affordable housing for all the residents of Philadelphia. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think probably I will start to get more questions um, on Twitter, on Facebook, on other social media, maybe to my website, um, maybe um, in person. And so I'm gonna have to. Well, I'm going to have to get used to answering them, which is good. I, you know, like I said, I like to talk to the people of Philadelphia about what's important to them. And so I hope that they do ask me questions because I can start to um, let them know what I think. Um, or maybe I should just direct them to this podcast because I, I do talk a lot here. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, so those were those were the two big firsts. And then a couple of other sort of logistical things I worked on this week. Um, so I think probably everybody who's listening has seen my logo, the, the square version of my logo um, that that has, you know, it says Beth Finn, Philadelphia City Council at large. But I'm finding that I also need um, sort of a, a rectangular long version of it, or wide version rather of it. So I spent some time um, rearranging the elements of the logo to, to be uh, wider and um, and now I, I have like a, a five, I think I have five versions of that and I can't decide which one I like so I sent it out to a couple of trusted advisors and friends and, and asked their opinions and of course they all picked different ones so I hope that means <laughs> that any of them is good but um, I don't know I, I'll have to make a decision in the next couple days about which one I want to use and uh You'll probably start to see it across social media and things like that. So you'll you'll know before this podcast is even released, I'm sure. But uh, yes, that was some of the other logistical stuff I did. Uh, I did this week, and um, and what it's made me realize because a lot of these things have come along um, is that I think I need uh, to start looking for an intern. And um, so I know that I can probably find one at one of the local universities. We have so many in the city. We have Temple. We have. Penn, we have Drexel, uh, we, there's Community College of Philadelphia. I mean, there's just, there's so many universities to pick from, uh, which is fantastic. One of the great things about Philadelphia is all of our academic institutions. Um, but I, I don't actually know how you go about finding an intern. I think probably each of those schools has an office that helps, um, you know, match up uh, organizations with interns and, and vice versa. Uh, I just haven't had time to look into it yet. So um, that is definitely on my to-do list for this week. And um, the other thing I want to do is get a map of, um, of the city that has the wards um, drawn on it. And I don't, I don't know if there's a published one like that that I can get or if I have to maybe just get a map of Philadelphia and draw in the ward lines. I'm, I'm not sure. But uh, I got to look into that too um, because I want to start keeping track of 
um, where in the city I've been and, and who I've talked to and, and what ward leaders I've met. Um, the, the ward leaders are an important part of the the Democratic Party structure here in Philadelphia. And I think it's important to talk to as many of them as I can, and they can introduce me to their neighbors and the people who live near them. So, you know, if I'm talking to all 66 of the ward leaders, then I will have talked to people in all parts of the city, which really is my goal. But I'm going to need to track that somehow. So I think a map is a good way to do it. Um, let's see. Um, so uh, one of the other things I've been spending quite a bit of time on this week is um, it's related to, to texting. So I have been doing texting for candidates. I mentioned that. I didn't do any new texting this week, although I did help moderate some of the text banks that went on uh, this week, um, which was really kind of fun, actually, uh, to, to get to help at that sort of next level. Um, but what I've started to think about or wonder about is if if texting is a more effective way to reach some voters than say knocking on their doors or making phone calls to them or um, or sending them a glossy mailer in you know through the through the postal mail um, and I there hasn't been a lot of scientific research done on this stuff because texting is a pretty new technique in the world of political campaigns. But in the last two years, um, when it has been used, there are a few studies that have been done. And nobody is willing to definitively say what the impact is. But some of the studies do say that they think that there is uh, as much as a 3 to 5% increase in voter turnout based on texting um, versus just canvassing alone. So they're not saying just text, but they're saying use texting to supplement your the rest of your field operations, and, and it could turn into a 3 to 5% increase in voter turnout. Let me tell you something, a 3 to 5% increase is phenomenal. If we could do that in Philadelphia, I mean, that translates to tens of thousands of voters. And... Um, you know, the more people involved in the process, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, democracy is for everyone, and uh, the only way to participate, or the best way to participate in our democracy is to vote. So the more people who are voting, the better our democracy works, in my opinion. Um, so I'm pretty excited about, um, about those numbers and those results from texting. And um, the other thing, uh, you know, about that is that I think... I think that there's a certain portion of the population, um, probably a big portion of the population, who gets those, you know, glossy printed mailers in the mail from candidates and they don't even look at them, right? They throw them right in the trash or the recycle bin. And I hate the idea of generating all of this waste and all of, you know, I mean, how many trees is that, <laughs> you know? Um, I was doing a little bit of math. So there's one and a half million uh, people in Philadelphia, and so if you assume, I think it's, I think the voter registration of Democrats is about 89 percent, and then if you assume that um, the voter turnout percentage in Philadelphia in an off-year election in the primary, which is what we're talking about for next May 2019, um, is only, say, 12 percent, we're still talking about 175,000 voters that I would want to connect with. They're kind of my potential pool of voters who, who or people who, who would vote. And sending out 175,000 pieces of mail, um, which might 
will will most likely just get thrown away really bothers me, right? I I don't want to do that. That's not environmentally friendly. I care about the environment. And it's not really getting my name out to people if they're not even looking at it. So I, I, I wonder, I started wondering if texting, at least for some people, would be more effective than those mailers. Um, <clears throat> but again, I think there are some people who look for those mailers and some people who don't. And so I, what I need to figure out is how do you determine who those people are? I suspect that it is broken down pretty largely on, on age lines. So I think probably um, older voters will um, care more about the mailer and younger voters might be more interested in, in texting. But um, I don't know. I think more research to be done there. And um, I will tell you that we do know that the response rate for texting is much higher than for um, any other form of, form of voter contact. Um, we get between 8 and 15% response rate on the texts, and it's certainly not that high when I'm knocking doors or, um, and certainly not that high when you're phone banking. So um, I definitely think there's room for texting in... Um, in my campaign. And uh, I'm pretty excited that Red to Blue is pretty excited about running a, a text campaign for me. So um, I will take their help <laughs> for sure. And they're all run by volunteers. So uh, the only thing you're really paying for are the actual texts themselves. So I think it turns out to be kind of cost effective as well, um, which is good. I'm happy to save money. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, so more research to do, uh, more data to look up on on texting versus other forms of voter contact. Uh, but you know, I am kind of a data nerd, so it was kind of I, I really enjoyed digging into that stuff this week, and uh, I had to be careful not to go too far down the rabbit hole because it could end up taking up a lot of time that I don't really have right now. <laughs> but um, yeah. I think I probably have some other data nerds listening to uh, my podcast, though. So if any of you guys or gals are interested in uh, researching that a little more for me, um, let me know because I'm happy to give you the information that I've started with and let you run with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's see. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about today. So there were a lot of events happening this week. Um, I think because school is back in session and it's the summer is pretty much over. Uh, events are starting to happen again. People are back from vacations and and um, things like that. So I feel like things are really picking up steam. Um, lots more events going on. So I went to. Um, there were three really wonderful events that I went to this week that I want to talk about. Uh, the first was um, the third in the can Cocktails with a Candidate series that Moving Philly Forward has put on. And uh, so this one included candidates um, for House District 144, Meredith Buck, and for Senate District 12, Maria Colette, and then also for Senate District 6, Tina Davis. And so they were the three candidates at this um, at this event, and they each spoke about, um, you know, why they were running and how we could help them, you know, because they're all candidates in the suburbs. I have, I think, I'm sure I've mentioned all three of them before, and, um, and uh, you know, but, but Philadelphia has such a, a density of people, and we are so fortunate that 
our candidates here often our democratic candidates run unopposed um, and and the the registration is so overwhelmingly in favor of the Democrats in Philadelphia that it's usually not much of a race between even if there is a Republican running so um, so it's not not nothing is guaranteed until the <laughs> until the votes are cast but it's pretty close to guaranteed that the Democrats win in Philadelphia um, just because of all of those factors. So um, it's important that we as Philadelphians support those candidates in the suburbs who don't have um, as, as much of a, an advantage as uh, Democrats in Philadelphia do. And um, so they were there to talk about that and to talk about how we could help them and to encourage us to come canvas for them, which, of course, I have already been doing. <laughs> and um, and uh, so, so that was a good event. And then immediately after that, there was a fundraiser um, for one of them, for Tina Davis, who... Um, and I, I got to tell you, so... I went because I, I really like Tina. She's actually one of the founders of Emerge Pennsylvania. Emerge is a program that trains women to run for office. And though I have not been through the Emerge, the full Emerge program myself, um, I am quite close with many of the women who have gone through it. And I have gone through their one day taste of Emerge program. And um, I just I feel a lot of affinity and, and affection for the Emerge program, so uh, so being there um, was sort of a, a reunion of all of these Emerge women that I know, and uh, and it was really I had been having kind of a crummy day that day, and being in that room full of really fantastic, incredible women. Um, it was good for my soul, and I just loved, loved, loved uh, being surrounded by them. There were a few men there too, but mostly it was women there. And it was so good to see women supporting other women. And um, I think in any, in any field, but especially in a field that is so dominated by men, it's important for the women who are in the field to support each other and lift each other up rather than try and tear each other down. Um, sometimes you see that happen. I've been very fortunate that in the workplaces that I've been in and in the places that I've been, um, for the most part, the women are supportive of each other and try to lift each other up. But, um, but sometimes you hear stories of, of them um, not being that way and, and, um, uh, you know, and, and not supporting other women. I think that's a shame. I... Um, I don't, I don't see how that helps anyone, right? I, I, of course, want to succeed, but I don't want to succeed by pushing other people down, right? I think there's room for all of us to be successful. And, um, and if I can share my knowledge, if I can help other women along the way, I want to do that. And not just women, anybody who is talented and, um, uh, you know, of course. But women especially, um, the way that... Um, the way that some of these industries are set up, women are at a disadvantage. So if I can help them, I want to. Um, so anyway, being in that room with all of those amazing women candidates, I know I've talked about this before, right? Many of them are in the current uh, election cycle. They're running now for um, offices that get voted on in November. And I, I am standing on the shoulders of those giants. They are incredible, amazing, trailblazing women. And I just, I'm so honored to know them all. 
And I will try to list them all in the show notes, but I, there were like a dozen of them there. So it might be difficult to, uh, to get them all in. But, but um, I think I've probably mentioned each of them at, at varying points throughout the life of the podcast. So um, it was, yeah, it was really good to be there with them. And then uh, the third event that I went to this week was over the weekend. Um, um, so I talked, um, I think I talked last week about being at um, this birthday party for one of the current city council members, Cheryl Parker. Um, and when I was there, I had met a, uh, one of the ward leaders from the 35th ward. Um, his name was Bill uh, Dolbo. And he, um, he had invited me to come to this picnic that they were having this weekend. It was not just his ward. It's actually all the wards of the Northeast. So the 35th, the 53rd, the 55th, the 61st, the 63rd, and the 64th wards. They had this sort of joint picnic in the Northeast. And they had invited me to come. And um, that may be the first place I had been invited to come because I was a candidate. I think, I think it is, actually. And um, so I went. And... Uh, and it was really fun to get out and meet lots of Philadelphians who obviously care about politics and care about our city. Um, there were a lot of them are committee people and, um, you know, and things like that, or they're involved with the party in some way or another. And uh, so I got to talk to a lot of Philadelphians who are from neighborhoods that I'm not as familiar with and spend time with them. And uh, when Bill, the, the ward leader, saw me there, uh, he seemed very glad that I had come. And, and he, was he, he was very kind. Um, and he said, you know, um, uh, you know, any questions you have or anything like that, please let me know and, and I'll, I'll try to answer them for you. So I appreciated his, uh, you know, honesty and transparency there. And, um, uh, yeah, it was fun. There were there, and there were lots of people there. So, so, uh, good stuff all around. I'm glad that, uh, I still find going to these events fun and not a burden or a chore. I, I hope that never changes. I don't think it will change. I've said a lot of times, you know, I'm such an extrovert and I just, I love being surrounded by people. So I don't think it will ever uh, get old or tiresome for me, but we'll see. When I'm going to three events a night, that might change. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I guess we'll find out and you'll hear about it here on the podcast. But um, yeah, so, okay. So those were three great events this week. And then um, the last thing I want to touch on, um, of course, I did, I did more canvassing, and I probably should update you on my, um, my totals uh, for door knocking. So I, I did, um, I think it was 112 doors yesterday in Philadelphia, and then another 27 doors today in, um, I went back out to the suburbs. I was in uh, Lower Providence Township. Um, which is uh, out past King of Prussia. And, um, and uh, so I, I knocked more doors. And so I think my total is up to, I want to say 1,170, but I don't have the number written down right in front of me. But it's, it's somewhere around there, 1,170 doors. So, um, and I had promised Governor Wolf 1,500 by Election Day, so I'm way on track for that. Um, I might have to bump up my goal, so we'll see. But um, <laughs> we'll see when I hit the 1,500. But, um, but uh, you know, some people have, have said to me, you know, why are you spending so much time canvassing outside of the city? Um, you know, why don't you stay in Philadelphia? You're running for a Philadelphia office. 
and uh, you know why are you spending time in the suburbs? And so here's here's my thought on that. Uh, there are a lot of reasons why, um, but uh, the the one that is most related to my candidacy is this. Um, Philadelphia is the economic engine of the whole state, right? We pour more money into Harrisburg from taxes, from um, whatever. We pour more money into Harrisburg than any other part of the state. And we don't get back from Harrisburg our equal or fair share of, of the state revenue, right? And so it's really important that we get people elected to Harrisburg who are going to be friendlier to Philadelphia. And all of these candidates from the suburbs of Philadelphia are going to serve that purpose. They're going to make sure that the money that we're putting into Harrisburg comes back to us in appropriate ways. And um, that's going to help with the economic growth of Philadelphia. That's going to help us make sure our schools are better. It's going to help us make sure that there's plenty of opportunity for Philadelphians. Um, it's really important that Harrisburg is friendly to Philadelphia um, so that we can get our fair share of those state revenues. And um, so that's, that's the, uh, the campaign reason for why uh, I, I keep going to the suburbs. If we can make sure that those people are elected, it's going to benefit Philadelphia in the long run. Um, of course, there are plenty of other reasons, too. I've talked about those at length in other episodes, so I won't go into it again. But I think it's important to acknowledge that Philadelphia is the economic engine of the state, and we don't always get back what we give. And that's not fair, and I want to make it be more fair. So... Um, I think that's everything I had to cover today, uh, but I do, of course, want to end with the three things that brought me joy. So um, first is that uh, I think I've mentioned my friend Dan, who is a member of my kitchen cabinet, who lives in L.A., and he was actually here this week visiting his family. He's here from here originally, and uh, so I got to see him. We had lunch um, one day this week. And just uh, getting to spend time with him and see him and catch up in person was so nice and so much better than, you know, talking on the phone or, or over text or whatever. And um, so, yeah, Dan definitely brought me joy this week. And, uh, and I got to take him around Philly for a little while and sort of give him a mini, a very mini tour of Philadelphia and show him my city from my perspective. So I really, uh, I really had fun with that. And, yeah, so that brought me joy. Um, the second thing was definitely um, at that um, event with Tina Davis and getting to spend time with all of those amazing other uh, women candidates and um, just being surrounded by so much awesomeness in one room is, is and being part of that awesomeness, right? I'm, I'm one of those women candidates now. I'm starting to accept that fact and get used to that fact and, and internalize it. And so being there with all of those other amazing women candidates brought me so much joy. And then the third thing, <coughs> um, so I have a very dear friend named Eliza, and um, um, I've known her for, oh gosh, uh, more than 20 years now. And um, we, um, uh, but anyway, she has, uh, she's always been um, a huge supporter of mine and a big cheerleader of mine. 
And um, she was actually one of the 10 people that I called during my call time this week. And, um, and so when she, so she texted me today to say that, um, that she had made the donation that we talked about. And then she said, I really want to share your page on, um, on social media, but, uh, but I want to make sure what I wrote is okay. Like, I, I don't know how, I don't want to turn off any voters. And I said, oh, okay, well, what do you want to say? And so she told me, and it was so genuine and so endearing and she just said such nice wonderful kind genuine things about me and um it just brought me so much joy that she cares about me so much and had so many nice things to say about me and um so yeah so Eliza is the third thing that brought me joy um and also um She's going to have a baby later this month. She's due, and I can't wait for that to be the first baby that I kiss on the campaign trail. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, so those were the th- three things that brought me joy this week, and I think that's it. Uh, I'm looking forward to another busy week coming up, and I hope you all have a great week, too, and I'll talk to you then. Bye. Thanks for listening to See Beth Run. Special thanks to local singer-songwriter Avi Wisnia, who graciously provides the music for this podcast. I'm Beth Finn, first-time candidate for Philadelphia City Council at Large. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and anywhere you get your podcasts. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to leave a review and check me out online at www.beth4phl.com and on social media at Beth4PHL. That's Beth number four, PHL. See you next time.